Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You're watching the Commanders lost a wild one to Detroit to drop to one and one. And they start the season against two non-playoff teams. But the Commanders will finally get their true test in week three. Carson Wentz may say that this is just another game. But he is playing against the team that selected him with the second overall pick in the 2016 NFL Draft. The team he spent the first five seasons of his career with. Uh, leading all the way to 2017, where he was 11 and two as a starter in 13 games, and then tragically tore his ACL, but finished third in MVP voting. He then returned in 2018 and 2019 and led them to an NFC East title. But during that 2020 campaign, Wentz started 12 games for the Eagles, went three eight and one, and the rest is history. The Eagles went on to trade Carson to the Indianapolis Colts ahead of the 2021 season in exchange for a third rounder and a 2022 conditional second round pick. The Colts hoped that he could return to that 2017 form, but in 17 games, they go 9-8. and eight. But Carson has a career year, 27-7. and seven. The Colts didn't trade him to the Commanders in March, and now the 2022 Carson Wentz Revenge Tour begins as we head into the Week 3 matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles, the first NFC East clash of the young season, and the Commanders get Philly on a short week. Welcome to the preview edition of the Silence Washington podcast, where we take command for the Silent Sports Network. I'm your host and head of NFL Operations, Parker Hamlet. Obviously, like I said, this is our week three preview edition. Whether you're listening to us on the audio realm, guys, Apple, Spotify, Google, subscribe, rate, review, drop a comment, emoji, it doesn't matter. Let's move up those charts, guys. And if you're looking at this mug on YouTube, uh, make sure you guys like and subscribe and click the bell, like it says in the intro, to turn on notifications. Got some exclusive YouTube content dropping there this season, like a lot of you already know. Comment your bold predictions for Sunday down below. But joining me to break down this first NFC East clash of the year, he yes, is the sir. host of the Red Zone in the Lab podcast, which is available on all platforms. They come to you weekly. My guy, Deuce, Deuce, obviously, man. Thanks for joining the show. Um, morale kind of at an all-time low for week three, which is kind of impressive, honestly. Uh, probably the worst half of football I've seen uh, as a, a, a Commanders fan, in my opinion. But with that being said, like mm -hmm. kind of something you echoed on your show, you can't really go anywhere but up. But using one word, how do you feel about this team going into week three against Philadelphia, number one rushing attack in football? Um, I feel encouraged. And it, it took me a while to get there, um, but that's one word. If you want me to elaborate, I can, but that's one word. Yeah. Um, and I think watching that game as a fan, you hear me say encourage. You're like, oh, he's, he's crazy. I'm about to turn this off. But just give me a minute. Give me a minute. So <laughs> um, just watching the, the game over in its full capacity, you have the all 22, you have certain tape, you have clips you can, you can watch and kind of look at. 
from that game, there were four plays that they got like 164 yards off of, right? So that was almost half or more than their total offense. The defense got a lot of um, third down stops. As we know, the third down efficiency has improved dramatically from last year on third downs. But we got to do better on first and second down. So when I take that big chunk out and I kind of sit it to the side, okay, okay, is this this team here that we could kind of look forward to as the season progresses? Because big plays, um, communication issues, being in the wrong spot, those things are easy to fix. But can we fix them is the big question. That's why I say encourage if I kind of take out that big chunk and sit it to the side. And that's the thing. Can you fix them in a window of time where you can still kind of get back on track and and not already be a big chunk of the season already gone? Uh, Maul, friend of the show, uh, Trapper Dive host, he said, you know, eight week window is what a lot of people judge things based off of. And you look last year, Jack Dorio and the defense, everybody really didn't start going until like closer to Halloween, to be 100 percent honest with you. But. I said going into the season it was one of our bold predictions that Jack Del Rio wasn't going to make it to the finish line. And that was because you can't afford for another start like that. And, you know, Jack Del Rio, once a very respected mind in the National Football League defensively, definitely on the hot seat headed into this week. And he was definitely one of the big things that we're going to talk about today. But Eagles going into this have a 61% win probability. Commanders are one and one against the spread. September 25th, 2022. At FedEx Field, first NFC East matchup. Uh, obviously, everybody knows Eagles fans come out in troves. Um, hopefully, no railings fall over. Uh, I know they're already failing, facing lawsuits for all that <laughs> crap. Uh, but we already know that the Eagles fans travel well. Um, you know, hopefully the Commanders don't get tossed over their own railings. Yeah, I, I. Speaking of Trapper Dive, um, Dre from over there said, you know, he couldn't really listen to a lot of uh, fan podcasts this week because he feels like there's going to be a lot of slurping up Philly, but. If you really sit down and look at the numbers, Deuce, there's a lot of reasons to be high on Philadelphia going into this matchup, and you certainly can't blame Vegas for leaning more in that direction, especially after the Commanders last Sunday. I mean, we're talking about a week one matchup after week one. I mean, we thought we could take on the world, but I mean... Is it still just, six and a half? Yep, still six and a half. And I mean, it's just it, it's just some discouraging stuff here at the end of the day. But if there's one thing that is not discouraging, it is the thing that I was very critical about in the offseason. And so far, this guy's done nothing but shut me and a lot of people up, even though it is early in the season. And that is Carson Wentz, who is top five in passing numbers right now. 650 yards, seven touchdowns, three interceptions. I mean, we're seventh in, in yards per game after two weeks. Second in passing yards, only behind Tua. Tied for first in touchdowns, first in completions of 20-plus yards, tied for second in completions of 40-plus yards, eighth in passer rating, 10th in pass yards per attempt, and then 12th in completion percentage. And, I mean, look, you, you talked about it great on Red Zone in the lab. Make sure you guys go subscribe to Red Zone in the lab. You guys did a great breakdown of how Carson showed that he's not here for a paycheck. We all know that this wasn't Carson's first choice, Deuce, but at the end of the day, he comes out in the second half on, on Sunday and gave the commanders a chance to win. He goes 30 of 46, 55.2% completion percentage, 300 yards, three touchdowns, one pick, 97 passing rating. Do you feel like there is just an exuberant amount of pressure on Carson Wentz already? Or do you feel like, you know, he's kind of playing like he should have been or, or he's playing up exactly the standard that, you know, everybody was holding him up to heading into the season? Nah, I think I think he's given us exactly what we kind of thought he was giving us. And I know in your opening, you mentioned that his revenge tour starts this Sunday. It actually started week one. Right. Because that's where the, all the drama came from. It came from the Jaguars. Right. So 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 far he's one and oh in, in, in the revenge tour. But I think. What we saw these first two games is what is going to be for the rest of the season, right? It's going to be Carson Wentz ups, Carson Wentz downs, high throws, 
throws he put in, in the bucket. Like you think about an interception to Logan Thomas last week. You think about the the overthrow to Dax Meeling in, in, in the fourth quarter of the first game, the overthrow to Dawson in the first game. He was wide open. And then you think about the bucket. He, he dropped it right in the bucket to Terry. He dropped it in the bucket to um, uh, uh, Samuel. So it, it's going to be rocky like that. Like this is what I thought coming into the season that who this person was going to be. And this is who he is. Week one, we able to be on the win side of it. Week two is on the L side of it. This is how this season is going to be. This is how I predicted this season to go. And this is how I'm looking for it to go. So I think he's exactly where he is and where I thought he he would be. And, uh, you know, especially with the weapons that we have. So he's, you know, uh, accumulating these this this production because of the weapons that's around him. Well, I mean, one of the big narratives coming out of Indianapolis was that he didn't really have any weapons. You're kind of seeing that now with Matt Ryan. I'm not going to be one of those weird Commanders fans that sits here and follows the Colts week to week. But at the I end do. of the day, I, I mean, do. this is this I is do. a crazy <laughs> amount of weapons that Carson Wentz does have. And yeah. one of those weapons being in the backfield, uh, the former wide receiver in Memphis, now running back in the NFL, Antonio Gibson, kind of an underwhelming performance against the Lions. I had him going 150 yards all purpose, didn't quite finish like that, 28 yards on 14 carries. Uh, 20, we're right now 25th in rushing yards per game. And I, that's kind of a discouraging number considering that Antonio Gibson was a very you know productive back last year. Uh, I, personally, I've been disappointed by everything I've seen of Antonio Gibson so far. He's 4.2 yards per carry, only got in the end zone once in two weeks. Uh, how do you feel about Antonio Gibson's stock going into week three? Do you want to see more of Antonio Gibson, less of Antonio Gibson? Or is there certain aspects of his game that you feel like Scott Turner should really kind of utilize and hone into in such a tough matchup? What we saw from Antonio Gibson in week one, I, I believe, is what the the ingredient is going to be when Brian Robinson comes back. Right. Yeah. It, it wasn't like he was a featured running back. It was like he was the second running back that was coming in and doing things that they want Antonio Gibson to do. Take some curries, get out in the screen game. Take what, what was that? A, 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 a flag route out the backfield. Yep. Those type of things is what I'm expecting. So when I look at Antonio Gibson, I'm trying not to look at him as far as rushing, but as like all purpose jobs. Like if he can give us, you know, 50 to 80 all purpose jobs a game, that's what I'm looking for from Antonio Gibson. I put, think that puts him in a in a comfortable spot for himself. And then it, when you think about our rush, I don't I don't really expect us to be. Uh, hopefully we be between like that 15, 20 range in, in rushing yards because I'm thinking with, with Samuels McKissick. Those short passes, I think, is going to be an extension of the run game. So I got to kind of add those also into the, the formula when I'm thinking about rushing from this team. But Antonio Gibson, I just, I just, the whole game plan coming into the Detroit was off, right? It was, it, it was unexpected. I thought they was going to come out how they came out. Never got going. Was. They didn't. They didn't come out with the with the motions, the quick game, which I thought they needed to do from what we saw from week one that the Lions was getting upfield pretty quickly. So I thought that would benefit us coming into this game but we didn't do it and because of that is the reason why i think antonio gibson didn't really get get um get going yeah i mean this detroit lions defensive line was getting to it um aiden hutchinson kind of took some shots saying that carson wentz's you know lack of mobility was a big factor so when you crash the pocket and wentz isn't exactly his 2017 self with his legs obviously post injury it's going to be like that but you know at the same time you could kind of rely on that mobility a little bit last year because i mean god knows taylor heineke doesn't play quarterback he's out there running for his life like <laughs> a like a backup and because of that i mean at the end of the day antonio gibson a lot of the more of the offense is going to be predicated on him too 
because of how much of an air raid we have now, that automatically is going to take a big chunk out of Antonio Gibson's workload as well. So I was never expecting a thousand yard season out of Antonio Gibson. And that's before Brian Robinson in general. I mean, there's just an abundance of weapons. And mm-hmm. obviously with this offensive line, the way they played in week two definitely didn't help either. You know, it, it you've got another up and coming defensive line in Philadelphia who had the best pa- uh, pass rush win rate rate in week one. Um, you know, I mean, kind of a tough matchup, um, you know, lack of depth, which is something we talked about. And I hated to say it, but I used injury and Chase Ruye in the same sentence last week on the pod. And then this crap happened. Uh, he's placed on the short term injured reserve minimum of four games. It is unrelated to last season's leg slash ankle mm-hmm. injury. The knee seems to be the issue. Um, he's looking to get a second opinion. Uh, like I said, Rivera says he's going short term IR, uh, IR, but he could be out until week seven. Uh, a lot of people speculate he's gone for the year. Uh, which really is a big blow to this offensive line at the end of the day. I mean, this is a six-round draft pick uh, in 2017. He was in the final year of his contract last year, but then signed that big deal a uh, year before. Uh, got $19 million fully guaranteed, was d- uh, due 7.2 this year, 8.3 over the next two years. Um, you know, Rivera's hoping this is short-term. We're all hoping this is short-term, Deuce. Uh, but, I mean, not even really a great start of the year for him either. Ranked 29 out of 36 centers throughout two games. And the lack of depth is something we talked about. Wes Schweitzer uh, was going to replace him. But, I mean, even he's banged up. Uh, John Tooth in the practice squad, you look at him. You look at Wes Martin. You look at Sadiq Charles. Uh, Keith Ismiel got snatched up off the 49ers practice squad. So, uh, obviously, they had to go out and make a move, right? So, they go out and sign second-round pick, former second-round pick, Nick Martin, 29 years old, drafted in 2016. Uh, got an extension originally, then was released by the Texans just for money purposes. Raiders picked him up. He appeared in tw- uh, 17 games last year, zero starts. So, Obviously, this offensive line is a huge, huge factor as well, Deuce. But we, we just stay on the positive side of things. I mean, this offense is just going off on all cylinders at the end of the day through the air. I mean, Curtis Samuel, 133 total yards. And, I mean, some of these numbers for this receiving core are absolutely unprecedented. Uh, Terry McLaurin <laughs> and Curtis Samuel tied for 24th in total receiving yards, 133 each. Jahan Dotson is 47 with 99 yards. Scary Terry is now... Uh, third in the NFL in yards per reception at 22.2 yards per reception. Dotson's 30th uh, kind of goes down from there. Jahan Dotson is tied for first in TD receptions with three. Uh, Samuel tied for second, and Terry and Logan are tied for third. Terry, 15th longest reception uh, streak of the young season. I mean, <sighs> Curtis ranks 11th in yards after catch. I mean, just an abundance of playmakers here. And, you know, Scott Turner, of course, a lot of credit goes to him with how he cooked things up in week one and then how he cooked up things in the second half in week two. I mean, and, and the offensive rankings, are there. they speak for themselves. We're 27.5 points per game. Uh, you know, obviously points allowed is a little bit over that. Total yards over 400. Passing yards 300-something. Rushing right under 100. Uh, obviously, I mean, the offense was on the field a lot Sunday as well. 32 minutes T.O.P. Uh, overall, a really – in totality, good offensive performance. If you sit down and go down the numbers, we are early in the season, week three. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like I said, this team does get historically better over time. Uh, like I said, after Halloween last year, I feel like both units picked up. Do you feel like this offensive, you know, renaissance for the commanders is sustainable? Do you feel like this is something we're going to see kind of trend throughout the year? Or do you feel like this is a candle that could burn out a lot quicker than we could honestly even imagine? 
Yeah, just to kind of go back to um, to the line, a, a, another key 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 component for it is, is Tyler Larson, right? So hopefully he'll be able to come back in, in a few weeks to kind of help us with that. And then the thing with uh, Nick Martin, you know, I reached out to some of my Texans colleagues. It's not looking too good for him. No. You know? <laughs> it's not looking too good that he's gonna you know be that guy, you know, just from their their experience with him. Um, so I'm I'm not I'm I'm, I'm not anticipating that at all, and and especially CD Charles, right? He was the backup center. Last week, and I definitely don't want him there. So, and then West Martin, of course, you know, we just picked him up off the street again. You know what I mean? But, but you know, as, as far as this team, we can't wait for people to get back, right? We can't no. wait for Brian Robinson. We can't wait for Chase Young. We can't do any any of those things. We have to get the details, the small things fixed, right? We have to get the small things fixed, and that's the and and that's the issue. And is some players is 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 the coaches. Um, a lot of like um, what I was saying about Scott Turner and one of the things that's a con for him is his lack of being able to adjust. Right. And I'm thinking like, you know, the year that he's in, he's his dad. He, his dad was one of the best, uh, um, you know, drive by drive adjusters, uh, you know, of all time in a sense. So I'm not looking for him to be elite. You know, elite coaches, elite coaches can adjust on a fly drive by drive. I need at least need him to show something quarter by quarter and especially half by half. Right. I, I need to be able to see adjustments made quicker than what they're happening. Like and we know like in the Jacksonville game, they were bracking the Terry up high. Right. So they was doubling. So we was able to get a lot of underneath things. Right. But then they stopped that and they kind of put more underneath the kind of stop. It took us into the third quarter to realize that it's time for us to go up top. Now, you have to see that immediately. Right. Though, so those adjustments, the, the adjustments we needed, we need to be better on both sides of the ball and the small detailed things, the things that's between the head has nothing to do with skill, has nothing to do with your athletic ability. It's just plain and simple. One plus one is two. Those are the things that we have to, if we can't, it's, 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 it's going to be a rough season. It's going to be a long, rough season. Yeah, and, and this is definitely a test, Deuce. And, and I, I like that you brought the bracketing, Terry, because, I mean, you know, last year it was, well, if you give Scott Turner weapons, he can make something happen. Now it's what's between the ears for Scott Turner. It shouldn't take you to the third quarter to get past the 50-yard right. line. And that's just an unexcusable statistic. I mean, the broadcast team of Fox is absolutely eating that up. As far as him as a play caller on Sunday, they got 21 total first downs. 15 through the air, six on the ground. They did go seven to 15 on third down, so 47%. One and two on fourth down, uh, the controversial fourth down there. Uh, they were good in the red zone, though, three of three. That's a really encouraging number. Um, the commanders, playmakers in general, all three ran 46 out of 53 uh, possible routes on pass plays. They at least, each of them caught at least four passes for over 50 yards, and two of three caught touchdowns. Commanders will likely be playing from behind in most games. So, I mean, obviously we're going to see a lot through the air if this defense doesn't get better. Uh, you know, as far as, like, snaps are concerned, Curtis Samuel, seven receptions, 78 yards, one touchdown, one carry for 21 yards. Curtis had 66 snaps, uh, up 55 from last week, 46 route runs and eight targets plus one carry. And then there's Jahan Dotson. Uh, his snaps go up. He goes up to 73. He had 68 last week, 53 mm -hmm. routes running four targets. Jahan Dotson also became the first rookie in franchise history to score a touchdown in the first two games of his career since who? Terry McLaurin in 2019. <laughs> so, I mean, we see the bar here. I never heard your pre- or post-draft assessment of Jahan Dotson. Uh, obviously, he wins, wins rookie of the week in week one. He's turning heads. He's looking like a legit receiving threat. You could argue the best rookie wide receiver, even without the emergence of Drake London. How are you feeling about him early in the season here? Obviously, he's 
one of the odds-on favorites to win offensive rookie of the year already. I know it's week three, but, you know, like I said, he's already got a rookie of the week under his belt. Um, on our bold predictions, I had him statistically outperforming Terry. Uh, what do you want to see from Jahan in week three? Obviously, he's a great uh, red zone target, but I feel like he's another guy. If you can get the ball in his hands in space, even like Curtis Samuel, I feel like he can show you a whole other aspect of his game in that sense. What is your overall assessment of Jahan? Yeah, so pre-draft, all I knew is he he, he torched Merlin, right? For oh, my God. That's, 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 that's all I know pre-draft, right? It's how he came up in. He torched Merlin. So that was my introduction to uh, Jahan Dawson. But then that was pretty much it. Like, after that game, that was pretty Same. much it. And then the day of the draft, oh, he's like, I'm like, Jahan Dawson? Who? Who is who is this person? So then that that forced all of us to do research, look at it, blah blah blah. So you know, doing all that, and then you hear all the 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 raves, and you hear all the local beat reporters and and the local content creators meeting with different people that know of him, his skill set, and then training camp comes. Well, OTAs comes, training camp. Everybody, yeah, this guy is the real deal. He's a real deal. So I was like, when I, I need to go to training camp, I need to see this for myself. Right. I need to see how he walks. I need to see his attitude. And it seemed legit. Like from what I saw, it seemed legit. And he come out here and in game one and he performs. He does exactly what the he he's getting open. It's not like he's not getting open. He is getting open um, um, the majority of his routes. The one issue that uh, I was a I don't know if I say afraid, but I was concerned with him is that he did have issues getting off the line of scrimmage. That's not an issue. So and they're far. non-existent so far. <laughs> yeah, so far it's not. But like I always say it about Terry, um, and just looking at Jahan and thinking what he can do for this team, I always say that I think Terry will have less targets, but he'll have more production because Wentz is able to push the ball down the field more. So he might have less targets, but I think Terry will have more production than what he had last year. Well, you know, we kind of got a look of it. I think it was one of the first two weeks of the preseason. We got some tunnel screen natural in Jahan. I think Jahan is another guy who, just like Curtis Samuel, was capable of just leading this team in yet and, and yards after catch. I, the explosiveness is there. That's one thing I did see at Penn State. Now, it's funny you bring up kind of not having much of knowledge of him uh, before the draft. I was one of those people, too. I had him ranked as wide receiver six. I didn't. I, I thought Traylon Burks was kind of going to be the baseline of what we were going to go. We ended up going lower than that. Ref the district shot to Nathan and then kind of tried to expose me and showed my reaction on draft night. <laughs> I didn't say the pick was bad. I just said that I was underwhelmed. And that seemed to be the natural consensus. That was uh, mostly the, the national consensus. Man. Yeah, that was mostly was, was that it was kind of a reach. I mean, that's kind of what yeah. this coaching staff's known for in the draft. But so far, this guy is just just a true professional. I mean, I think about that touchdown catch versus the Lions, and it was like it was never in question, never in doubt. You just saw that that Lions DB fighting so hard. And the broadcast team was just talking about just the securedness in the catch and the fact that that ball is not coming out of his hands. I mean, that's how surefire this guy is. And I do think you're right. I think Terry's going to have the bigger chunk plays. He has 66 snaps in this, three three uh, less than uh, last week, 47 rounds run, seven targets and one carry. Shout out to Terry McLaurin, named uh, NFL Community MVP for week two. Logan Thomas uh, went up in snaps as well from 48 to 54. Uh, you know, obviously you're going to see his snaps limited in week one with him bouncing back from injury. Um, you know, I, overall, I liked a lot what I saw around the snap count around from all these receivers in general. Um, I, I, I expect Jahan just to continue to go up and same with Logan Thomas. Uh, I think even on limited snaps, Terry is going to just make the most out of them regardless. Um, but you know, running back usage, uh, Antonio Gibson had 40 snaps, nine less than last week, nine, uh, 20 routes, uh, plus four targets of 14 carries. 
J.D. McKissick gets four more snaps than last week. You like to see that. That's a guy that I feel like they really need to hone in on and utilize him. You bring him back for a reason. He is an asset in this backfield. But, you know, he only carried the ball three times for nine yards, uh, but was active through the air, 54 yards. Uh, McKissick is extremely game script dependent. Um, I, 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 like I said, I still would like to see a lot more out of JD McKissick, especially in this matchup this weekend. Um, Bates, Dax, Deami, a bunch of guys really didn't get a lot of reps. Cam Sims as well. Another guy that I feel like could definitely use a bump in re uh, reps as well, but let's move to the other side of the ball, Deuce. Cause I feel like that's where the money's at. I feel like that's where ev everybody's talking this week. And that's the Jack Rose defense, 422 yards per game, 265 through the air, 157 on the ground. Cole Holcomb getting ripped apart on the timeline. Uh, I think, he, as of right now, leads his team in tackles. Deron Payne uh, <laughs> making a great argument uh, for a contract extension, uh, getting a sack pretty much every week. But kind of a health inventory check. You got Casey Tuhill in concussion protocol. Daniel Wise with a high ankle sprain. Uh, John Allen says we're on to Philadelphia. He's on a limited pitch count. Uh, he was on the injury report, but he is going to play. Uh, John Allen kind of vocal about the whole JDR situation says, I'm not a fan of putting a lot of the coaches on blast because ultimately we are the players. Cam Curl, probably the biggest positive coming into this week, cleared to return. They're getting the splint for him. Uh, the commanders, we talked about the inside uh, of the offensive line and their death. Let's talk about the inside of the commanders defensive line. They released Donovan Jeter, uh, who left about as fast as he came. I'll tell you an interesting one that I want to talk about, and that was the Commanders claimed a draft pick for the Cowboys this year, defensive tackle John Ridgeway. Fifth-round pick out of Dallas in 2022. They let him go mainly because they thought he was going to clear waivers and make it back. Uh, obviously, this is a guy that a lot of people like coming out of Arkansas, and I, I'm not going to lie to you, Deuce. From what I saw on tape, Ridgeway's got a lot of stuff about his game that I really like, and I feel like this could be a sneaky good signing for the Commanders, but at the same time, to be pretty much as a fifth-round pick to be released off of the team the year they drafted you, that's certainly not an encouraging sign either. So, Commanders, go get one over on the Cowboys. What do you like about the Ridgeway uh, pickup? you feel like this guy could be a contributor? Was he someone you possibly watched in college? Or what do you think the Ridgeway uh, waiver claim? Yeah, I think Ridgeway, like the Cowboys defense, like they have a lot of guys on the defensive line. They have a lot of experienced guys on the defensive line and they needed space. Right. They they needed to make a move and they thought that they could sneak him um, and get him on a, on 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 the practice squad and put in a um, protector claim on him. And they, they wasn't able to do that. Uh, people was there. I think the Eagles was there, the Chiefs. A lot of people put in waivers for him. Now, listen, a lot of people say we reached on for Darian Mathis, right? A lot of people say, you know, we could get the same type of production for someone down later in the draft. This is that guy. Like, this is the person that that person is referring to, this guy Ridgeway. This guy was ranked right behind for Darian Mathis as far as defensive tackle, nose tackle. This was the person. So this is the person that a lot of people wanted us to get, that next person that people feel like we could have got later. And that's this guy Ridgeway. So I think um, when, you, when you think about those two guys, like I don't know what Darian Mathis was going to give us, right? It was looking okay, but he got hurt early, right? So I don't I don't know. Daniel Wise, he, 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 he was improving. He played well last year. And he looked like that progression was continuing throughout the preseason. He played a lot. We had a big sample size and he looked good, but now he's banged up. So now we're in a position where we have a banged up Allen who's not really able to rest as much because we need him out there. And then pain. Oh man. He he has he he has stretches where he just completely dominates 
whoever is in front of him. He just has stretches where he just completely dominates. He took everything personally, and you can tell. Yeah, yeah. and he, he he's going to continue to do that. And a lot of people don't feel to realize when they're talking about them, too, is that all play side runs, they, they're getting double teamed. If they play side to, to, to the left, uh, Allen's getting double teamed. To the right, Payne is getting, is, is, is getting double teamed. So that's where <laughs> I guess we're going to get to the linebackers next, but but yeah, when when it comes to Ridgeway, man, I'm 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 thinking that he's gonna he's gonna be able to contribute. I just hope that whatever we was gonna get from Mathis, that he provide he, he provides that, and we may up may end up getting a steal. We may end up getting an extra draft pick. Yeah, I mean, even with all the, and I'm glad you brought up, you know, the Cowboys being banged up. That's kind of a big reason this move happens. And I think if Mathis is healthy, we obviously don't make this move either. And, you know, great assessment of kind of the state of the defensive line in general. And I saw your reaction when I said that about Cole Holcomb. That was not a glaring <laughs> endorsement for Cole Holcomb on my part. But when you have such a lackluster performance on this defense in, in totality, I mean, there are very few good things to say. And, I mean, leading tackler isn't even really an impressive statistic. And obviously, you're right. We're going there next linebacker. And this is Jack Derrick's defense, which we had Freddie Ham on the show last week. He talked a little bit about – how, you know, JDR really doesn't choose personnel. It's easy to flame JDR, but, I mean, I feel like all football personnel decisions really do narrow down to Coach Rivera and his preference, or at least that's something that a lot of people that are close to JDR have said. Uh, you know, the commander's defense in 2020, I mean, looked like they were on the uptick, looked like a unit that we were going to be able to hold dear and close as, as, as a fan-favorite unit for years to come. Obviously, Few free agent signings and pretty much everybody coming back from 2021. Uh, they go seven and ten last year. Ten of eleven starters returning. But I mean, this staff picks Jamin Davis. The staff signs William Jackson the third. And you know, the trajectory of this defense right now, without Chase Young, just now getting Cam Curl back, still is not very promising. Um, you know, I feel like it is kind of past the, the point of being able to make excuses for JDR. And you know, something very uncharacteristic for this staff, Deuce was everything they've said about Jamin Davis in the last two weeks. I mean, this is – to this to this point, obviously, I'm not a huge Jamin Davis guy in regards to, like, what we were getting out of the pick and, and as far as the value and everything. I feel like it was a reach. But, I mean, this isn't really something we're used to seeing these coaches do, being so outspoken against their players. And we talked about it on the last episode. Uh, and, you know, Jamin Davis responded this week. He takes the Instagram uh, caption, resilient as ever, posted some highlights, uh, then posted a clip from Django Unchained. Um, you How know, layers of is course, that, right? <laughs> yeah, immediately deleted it. Uh, John Kahn said, This is something he is far from the only one who warrants criticism, but his growth is pivotal to the defense. And I love that sentiment, right? Because it it doesn't, you're not shaming Jamin for, for basically defending himself against the public outcry, but you're also saying that the reason that there's so much more of, of stock into his poor play or, or some of the poor play is the fact that he, in order for this defense to flourish, you need this guy to have a big year in 2022. And that's a lot of pressure for, for, for this young man, and I'm definitely not overlooking that. Um, you know, obviously, for everybody in the fire JDR camp, I'll say this. I don't feel good. I love Chris Harris. Don't get me wrong. But I don't feel good about this guy stepping in at this point in the season, probably not even week eight, especially the way these DBs have been looking. Um I do think Jamin should be able to take some criticism, Deuce. And I, I would like classify some of it as tough love because, I mean, there has been absolutely zero criticism of, of him up to this point. But, I mean, I feel like when you got a game-breaker in Dallas like Micah Parsons in, in your division, that doesn't exactly help you either. 
And, you know, you could make the argument that they've been very protective of Jamin up to this point. Um, but just like we need Chase Young to get sacks and we need William Jackson III to be a lockdown corner, you need Jamin to be that kind of linebacker. And to me, his nickname's Shadow, but it's mainly to me because he's behind everybody. He's chasing everybody around that. the field. I, I mean, it's <laughs> I'm not going to say that it's a busted pick because it's too early for that, right? But, you know, I also don't think firing JDR at this point in the season is a good idea either. Um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of the Jamin's issues are between the ears. Um, a lot of the fan base is rallying behind Jamin as well, uh, heading into this week. But how do you feel about Jamin Davis's response to the criticism from the coaches? And what's your overall thoughts on the Jamin Davis situation? Cause this, this is like trending towards kind of volatile if things continue to get worse on the field. Yeah. You, you have to be real, real careful when you take in like linebackers from schools like Kentucky, right? Kentucky, when, when when you think about Kentucky, you think about like smart athletes, not putting any other colleges to the side or anything like that. But just when you think about Kentucky football players, and that's what they was, that's what their main thing was, was about Jamin, is that he'll be able to consume everything that's needed to know and learn and be able to, to, to run that, that defense. He's athletic. He's sideline to sideline. He can make this play. He can make that play. But that's just what we have not seen, right? And they say he has progressed over the summer. I think he has. Like, I, th there, there have been some moments and through the preseason and some moments week one and week two when you say, okay, that's the Jamin that I'm looking for. But it's not consistent. So you kind of think, okay, is it Jamin or is the position that he's been put in, right? It, it, it can be both, right? It can be both. Great point. It, 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 it can be both. And I think and when we talk about his progression, I think that he was so far away from being a solidified uh, checkmark first round pick that even this progression still puts him far away. Right. He's still like you can still progress and still be far away from your potential. Right. So that's exactly where we are with Jamin. Do I think he can be, get better? Like he has everything. He has all the tools that that that's needed to get better so he can get better like i've been telling people like i think it's it's a coaching thing the whole thing like it, it, it for coaches you have to know your players right you have to know who you can go at how much you can poke them right like antonio gibson thing at the moment where ron Rivera said you know once you guys tell them to and all that other things antonio gibson spiraled right he even admitted that he spiraled last week during the interview right he spiraled jamie he comes well this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna do this, I'm going to post this and post that. It's a fire back, right? It's like you blaming me for everything. Worry about everybody else, you know what I mean? So, and and, and Cole Hogan has been playing terribly, right? He, I Agreed. Mean, he, he's leading the team in sacks, but how many of those are assisted? How many of those is five yards beyond the line of scrimmage, right? Those are just, those stats mean, don't mean anything to me because of the fact that it's not impact. It's not impact tackles. It's not impact plays. So when it comes to these linebackers, man, I think they, they have to get better and they have to get better fast. They have to get better fast. Yeah, and it, to me, it was just the the lack of urgency in the offseason for the commanders to address the depth at linebacker via the draft, via free agency. I mean, you put a lot of stock into these guys, and now that, the, that we're in some meaningful football games now, that means they're going to be put in a lot of high-pressure situations. And it, what's funny about it to me is that Jamin probably played his best game as a pro on Sunday against the Detroit Lions. I mean, there were some uh, aspiring plays there. And then Coach Rivera completely, you know, goes 180 and says that this was he was one of the best defensive contributors against the Lions. So 
to me, I mean, I feel like some of this criticism was warranted last year. You know, I was one of those people that said that, you know, what progress is Jamin making? I can tell you throughout two games so far this season, I've seen way more encouraging things than I did probably the entirety of all of last year. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's not as much responsibility on him. So more of that goes to Cole Holcomb. And then Cole Holcomb plays to his draft stock and plays to his physical and athletic ability. And we're seeing how that works at Mike. I never thought that Cole was going to be a sustainable option to Mike linebacker either. And opposing defense is just going to eat this stuff apart. I mean, you talked about the trunk plays already. Um, Washington had seven in week one and then eight in week two and all the second half. Um, You know, they're tied for eighth most in the NFL. Detroit gained 227 yards on six explosive plays. I mean, I was, uh, you know, and, and it's funny, a nice little nugget out of the athletic. Shout out to George Carney for saying this. Uh, Amon St. Brown, who had 48% of the team's offense, uh, talked about how easy it was to just go with this commander's defense who just were completely confused by a bunch. And, you know, it, I, there's just so much miscommunication and so many things going on with these defensive struggles. And, you know, in two games, commanders have allowed 16 explosive plays. Uh, explosive plays, of course, are defined as a rush of 12 or more yards and a pass of 16 or more. We're ranked fifth worst in the league. Sam Fortier, the Washington Post, put out a great post about this. Um, without an explosive play, offenses score only about 10% of their drives. With one big play, it goes up about 30%. And with two... 50. So the more of these plays you allow, the more the opposing offenses are just going to get in the end zone. And, you know, in 2020, like I mentioned, this this defensive unit was great in that category. And, you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> Kansas City is, is, is pretty close to Washington. But, I mean, we don't exactly have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. And just this commander's defense in general, um, kind of a piss-poor outing overall in total on Sunday. I could sit here and read the numbers all day long. But, I mean, you allow 191 on the ground, uh, zero, pretty much zero takeaways in general. And I mean, even with Detroit missing multiple starters uh, on both sides of the ball, I mean, it's just and you let golf absolutely tear you up. 20 to 34, 58 point eight completion percentage, 119 yards. I mean, I mean, passer rating, excuse me. And then, you know, the, the special teams as well. I mean, Sly, you know, hadn't really even lined up for a field goal yet. He comes out and spikes one even when we can get it within eight. So, I mean. I really do just feel like it was an alarming performance overall for the commanders, but at the end of the day, you know, I don't think it's time to hit the doomsday button yet, Deuce. Um, I don't think we have a problem with a, a kicker, but we're going to stay on special teams for one second before we go into this Philadelphia matchup. Dax Milne, a lot of criticism for him as a returner so far. Um, definitely doesn't come close to topping the list of problems, in my opinion, for this team, but how do you feel about him as a returner? Um, obviously, the numbers definitely aren't in his favor statistically uh, throughout the first couple of weeks in regards to his return game. You feel like maybe they should elevate an Alex Erickson. You feel like they should go make a signing off free agency. Or do you feel like it's a little too early to kind of hit the button, uh, panic button on Dax Mellon as well as a returner? I mean, just to kind of just this, another stat to kind of add when you talk about those chunk plays. Three out of those six plays had to involve St. Juice and William Jackson III as far as communication. So that's a whole issue, and that's something you can zero in on to get those guys in the room say, hey, look, Great what is going on with you two guys, right? So, But then Dax, like, you know who – like, a kick returner will show you who he is on his first kick return, right, <laughs> or overall return. You already know if this is somebody that could take it to the house. When De- DeAndre Cotto's here, when he, when he first got the ball – he showed you that at some point he has the capability of taking it to the house, right? Uh, Brandon Banks, little small Brandon Banks. I love, I love the when Brandon he, Banks. When he gets the ball, it look he can take it to the house, right? And that, that was just a, the, the the last two guys. And of course, you you can bring in Santana Moss and all those other people who was doing it. But 
but he, he's just not that guy. Like he's he he's a he, he he's a safety, right? He's someone that can field the ball, and that's about it. But if you notice what's going to continue to happen on kickoff return, we don't make an adjustment. And I think I don't think Gibson is re, uh, RB one right now, right? But he's not a normal RB one. No, he can he he can do kickoff returns. What about Dotson? How do you feel about Dotson? We saw some reps with that. How, Dotson not not kick return, but I think for punt return, if it's if they're punting within their their thirty, I think you can put him out there. I don't I don't want him past the past their thirty, um, uh, field and punts right. But uh, within their thirty, they're punting off. I think uh, you know you, you put him out there when you need a, a potentially big play. You give him more space to 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 work with. I think you do dots in there. I think you put Gibby back there on 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 kick retain because Dax Mina even when he has a hole is like get through it. Like what's is, he just has slow feet and that's what we've been so used to here. Um, and if you notice what's going to continue to happen is that teams are going to continue to kick it right at the goal line, right at the one yard line. Because by the by the time the first person gets to him, it's like at the 10, 12 yard line. That's how slow he moves. So that's strategic. That's coaching. And if our special teams coach and Ron cannot see that, that's a serious issue. Because they, 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 they're not going to kick it over his head. They're going to try no. to kick it to the goal line, to the one line, one yard line every time. I, I and you know I hate to be that guy that keeps saying DeAndre Carter's name, but you look at what the Chargers were able to get done with them deal wise, and just really makes you wonder why they didn't just pull the trigger and keep that guy in house. That's another contributor that I feel like would have been a great asset for this team. But I, I really like how you brought up where he's fielding these punts. The way that Detroit game was going, you cannot afford to to start the, at the sixteen yard line. You just can't. And and you know. I, they're going to need a lot of that moxie and gumption and even kick returner to, in order to turn this thing around early in the season. Uh, but, you know, on to Philadelphia, like Jonathan Allen says, uh, the commanders lead the series all time against the Eagles, 88, 82 and six, uh, 176 meetings. Their first meeting back in 1934, their last one being January 2nd of 2022, where the Eagles won 2016. Some of the big moments in history. You think about the body bag game. You think about the Monday night massacre. Oh my god! God, the Eagles have won three of their last five against Washington. Um, and their first meeting last year, Jalen Hurts had three touchdowns. Eagles came back to beat us. Uh, I think that was, if, if I'm not mistaken, that was a Garrett Gilbert game. Uh, in their second meeting, the Eagles edges out twenty to sixteen. Uh, Jalen Hurts two and one all all time versus the Commanders. One career touchdown, sixty one point percent completion percentage, seventy nine point eight passer rating. Uh, so Hertz overall 79.7 uh, quarterback rating, 582 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, and three career games against Washington. Uh, you know, Deuce, the Lions failed to use any form of gap discipline against Jalen Hurts week one. Um, and obviously, you know, that that's something that the commanders have definitely struggled with, especially dating back to pretty much ever since Rivera has been here. How do you feel about oh, how the in. commanders fare? <laughs> against pretty much the number one rushing attack in football. Do you feel like they'll be able to contain Jalen, or do you feel like this is just something we're going to have to just endure and hope to come out at the end of it? I mean, I don't. I, to me, I feel like there's no stopping this running game. Yeah, it's 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 and, and it's all precedent off of Jalen Hurts, right? Miles Sanders, he usually gets going in the third or fourth quarter when they kind of dueling and down. But he is somebody that can take it to the house if, if you're not careful. But it's all about Jalen Hurts, right? Uh, going into that Vikings game, I, I thought just watching from the Lions game as previous years, 
after he gets uh, he, he he's he's first read and go type of quarterback, right? He looks at his first read, it's not there. More than likely, he's going to use his feet to 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 move, and he's not like a, a Patrick Mahomes where he's looking to get the ball downfield. He's just looking to just run, right? But Monday night. He showed me something different, right? He was getting to his third and fourth progressions, right? That's something we've never seen before from Jalen Hurts. So, but I, I, I'm still going to take that as, huh? That was an anomaly, and I'm going to force him to throw the ball. So, what, what, what it, it's going to be difficult to, to contain him. I mean, it's been years. We've always had issues with running quarterbacks because we never really had a top athletic linebacker in, in that sense. But now, uh, you know, Curl's coming back. I think Forrest it, it will be used a lot. All three of them hit with McCain. I think all three of those guys are going to be on the field of that. And, and at some point, you have to just crash. Like those RPOs, this is where you can really get Jamin Davis on the good side of the public this week, right? See ball, get ball. Your sole responsibility is Jalen Hurts, right? I don't care if he if it's an RPO, if he's a fake handoff, whatever. You go straight to Jalen Hurts. I don't care about nothing else. If he hands the ball off, that's someone else's responsibility. Your responsibility is to get right after Jalen Hurts. You have to you have to put pads on him. You have to put your hands on him. Um, if we can't get sacks, we're gonna have to get knockdowns, push him, shove him. You, you, you're gonna have to knock his game off because you just can't let him just be running around. You know, not not getting touched like what happened in that first game against against Detroit. I love that assessment. A lot of people say that. And somebody we're going to get into on the Philadelphia Eagles is Hassan Reddick. He's great as that kind of in-your-face, explosive athlete up the middle of your defense that just makes your quarterback's life a living hell. I am all for Jamin Davis being that guy for the commanders, and I think that is going to be a huge matchup in this game and definitely a way that Jack Del Rio need, needs to utilize him moving forward. I mean, that doesn't take much between the ears to figure that out. Use your 6'4", 234 frame and be the killer, be the athlete they mm-hmm. drafted you to be. But, I mean, you know, the fans wanted to give up on Nick Sirianni, head coach of the Eagles. Uh, they go 3-6 and six to start the year last year, but they finished 6-2, and two, go 9-8, and eight, end up getting killed by Tampa, very reminiscent of us. Uh, last double-digit se- season being in 2017 with Carson Wentz. Uh, you know, three non-win seasons, though, between 2018 and last year. Um, you know, fourth they, they did have a four-win season in 2020, which is an absolute mess. Uh, I think it's the last season with Patterson. But this year, they do have the third easiest schedule in the league. Uh, offense, you kind of already delved into it a little bit. You talked about the RPO. 292 RPOs ran last year, led the league. Offensive lineman, uh, excuse me, offensive coordinator Shane Steichen, uh, 14th total offense last year, number one rushing attack, 159 yards on the ground per air. Tw- uh, I mean, on the ground in general, 25th in passing offense, 200 in the uh, yards in the air, uh, 12th scoring defense, 12th in a EPA per play. Uh, Jalen Hurts, honestly, somebody I- I'm a big fan of his game uh, on and off the field. Um, third year in the league, 61.3% of his passes, 16 touchdowns, nine picks, uh, 10 rushing touchdowns. You know, it's funny because you remember the offseason and, you know, when this Deshaun Watson talk was going, uh, Philly kind of moved around in the draft a little bit. And, you know, it seems like they didn't really quite believe in Jalen Hurts. So this certainly is an audition year for him as their franchise quarterback. He's certainly played up to that so far. Uh, he finished 23rd of 31 starting quarterbacks in EPA per uh, play last year. He seems to be on the uptick so far this year. Like you mentioned, the Monday night game, I thought he showed some great things there. Um, something that I want to talk about, an interesting statistic with him, is the average depth of throw. Um, you know, uh, yards per attempt can be distorted uh, by yak, but A dot's a little bit different. Uh, quarterbacks with a low A dot 
tendencies tend to be more conservative. Um, in 556 dropbacks last year, Jalen was ranked fourth with a 9.5 A dot. Uh, you know, for the Eagles, Jalen gained 66 yards after contact on 90 total. I, I, I think reps. He just he forces missed tackles, and you know the the, the Eagles looked great in Week One, uh, and he looked even better in Week Two. Uh, and AJ Brown, another guy. I mean, you're certainly feeling his absence in Tennessee right now. I'll tell you that much. I shared a video of Mike Vrabel's reaction in the war room when they traded him away. The guy looked absolutely sick, like he wanted to start crying and throwing up. I mean, this is a guy who's just a number one wide receiver, and he certainly looked like it so far. Pretty much 3,000 yards, receiving 24 touchdowns in three seasons. Uh, 155 yards on 10 catches in week one, 88.8 PFF grades. Set a franchise record for yards in a debut. Briefly went to the medical tent on Monday Night Football, but seems to be like everything's going to check out. I talked about Amon St. Brown Deuce and how 40% of the Lions' yards came from him. How concerned are you about this matchup of AJ Brown versus these Washington corners, or just this Washington second uh, secondary in general? I mean, I, I, not to take nothing away from AJ Brown, but I'm more concerned with uh, Schmitty, right, Devontae Smith. I'm I'm more concerned with him, the 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 shifty guy. They can move all around, and he can do those Amon St. Brown, uh, like uh, uh, Kurt Kurt type things, right from from the Jack from the Jaguars. That's the guy I'm more so I'm more concerned with. Um, you know, AJ Brown is, is a good receiver, right? I I, I don't want to take anything away from him. Uh, he's a big body guy that can move. He's a big body guy that can get down the field. But um, I'm I'm, I'm more concerned about 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 Schmitty, man. Um, I'm not saying our corner is going to shut AJ AJ Brown down anything like that but i think our number one concern should be schmitty and you know you, you give aj brown six catches 90 100 yards something like that but you kind of contain schmitty i'll take that any any day but my, my main concern of why's the passing game is 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 schmitty and, and quiz sneaking and getting over the top yeah I, that's a <laughs> another great assessment i mean you got a heisman winner and A.J. Brown, the X and Y receiver. And then, you know, I mean, you got Quez Watkins, who was the only receiver got in the end zone for them. Um, he's also back on kickoffs. Um, like I said, he was the only guy who scored on Monday Night Football for them. They trade away Jalen Rager. No other Eagles wide receiver caught 10 passes. But, I mean, Devontae Smith, 14.3 yards per catch last year, damn near 1,000 yards. That's a guy that, you know, once he gets going, I mean, you see that Heisman-level talent and potential. And then, you know, tight end, you got Dallas Goddard, who's a pretty solid uh, receiving tight end as well. 56 receptions, 830 yards, 14 yards to catch four touchdowns last year. Running game, you already talked about it. You know, Miles Sanders, uh, 754 yards total, 5.5 yards per carry. 10.2% of his carries came against a box of eight or more defenders, which is the third lowest in the NFL, which I thought was interesting. Obviously, you got to watch out for Kenneth Gainwell as well. Um, He's not a guy – I feel the same way about Kenneth that you do about AJ. He's not a guy that I, I think you need a game plan against, but he's another little shifty, you know, part of this Eagles offense. And then, of course, you can't downplay Jalen Hurts with his uh, on the ground as well. 784 yards last year, leading rusher, 5.6 yards per carry. This offensive line, Jason Kelsey, who honestly I didn't expect to return, um, coming back for his 12th NFL season, Lane Johnson, a right tackle. Uh, Jordan Maleda, Landon Dickerson, uh, Isaiah Simaloa, Brandon Brooks, Brooks retired. Um, they allowed just seven pressures and zero sacks on 38 pass blocking snaps. Um, I think in week one, Landon Dickerson, young guys look really impressive as well. 85.0 uh, pass blocking grade. Um, o lineman in general, I mean, pretty much across the board, 70 gradings according to PFF. Lane Johnson looks like the pro that he is. 
Um, they were number one in the pre uh, preseason offensive line grades. Um, obviously, you got a pair of really good tackles. You get really young at guard, and of course, the veteran center. I, I think the interior trio though I, is pretty good. Um, but overall, um, with the lack of depth on the defensive line now, with with Mathis, Wise, and all these other guys, do you feel like it's going to be kind of easy for this Eagles like run game to kind of run rough shop on us? Is or do you feel like there's anything that the commanders should do specifically? I know you already mentioned that Jamin Davis needs to focus solely on Jalen Hurts, but uh, obviously with just, you know, all the free agent signings, waiver wire pickups, and, you know, two defensive tackles that are just just to be, lack of a better term, tired from all the playing time they're getting, do you feel like this could be a real ground and pound effort by Philadelphia? And how do you kind of see this game going uh, as, as in regards to like how the defensive line matches up against this pretty stout Eagles offensive line and in a world where there's no wins drama their game plan would be to run the ball take a, take advantage of what's our weakness which is more so rush defense and our linebackers like right uh the 100%. Jaguars was able to do it the Lions w- was able to do it but because it is went this this went factor I, I think they really want to beat us and I think they want to yeah. beat us early. I think they want to beat us early. So I, 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 I could be wrong. You know, Sarani could be a level-headed guy, not letting the media and the fans get in his head and call an actual a game to actually win and not a game to actually blow out. Because you can play a game to actually blow out somebody, right? And that's what the 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 midnight massacre was, right? They came in there and just like we heard years down the line. Deshaun, when he was here, saying, yeah, the whole night before, we was like, we're going to do this and do that. And he told LeRon Landry on the first play, we're going deep. And that's exactly what they do. And it was it, it, it was downhill from there. So, you know what I mean? I didn't so, know that. Yeah, yeah. He literally, he he, he told him that. So, it, 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 it was a thing where, if, are they going to come out to try to destroy us? Because if they come out and try to destroy us and they make a few mistakes, this game could turn fairly quickly. It's you all. Hear- it's 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 going to be about. It's 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 just. It's hard to kind of say what type of game plan because it is Wentz. Fan. I think this Wentz means because man, if you listen to a lot of these Eagles fans in these spaces, man, that relationship, they are like they 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 hate this guy and they really they they saying they're gonna come boo. He gonna be the only quarterback that been booed at his own home. I mean, they they just. I just don't know if if Sarani is old enough a vet type coach to be able to like no we are going to win this game we ain't worry about the Wentz but I think they want to come in here and destroy Wentz and that 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 may be to our benefit. You hear locker room material well try bullet like literal billboard material that <laughs> yeah, they right, got right, Philly literally right now. I right. mean that was absolutely Carson, crazy that we're coming for you Carson. I mean, we're years removed from this stuff now, and I'm glad you brought up the animosity there. I mean, obviously, Wentz drafted very high. A lot of people still bitter about that situation. And, you know, you heard about how Monster and Raw talked about this defense. What do you think these guys in Philly are saying? They're not having any trouble putting points on the board, but let's not sit here and hype these guys up too much. They did allow 35 points, 386 yards to Jared Goff and the Lions, for God's sake. I mean, we'll see how that goes at the end of the year. Um, you know, they did also generate a couple takeaways. If there's one thing I can say about them is they generate takeaways. Uh, they got three week one, which is the first time they've done that since week five of 2019. So obviously this is another defensive unit that's on the upswing. You got Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator. They were ranked 10th last year, uh, ninth against the run, 11th against the pass, 18th in scoring. Kind of some leaders. You had Alex Singleton with 137 tackles, Jerron Hargrave with seven and a half sacks and Darius Slay with three interceptions. Uh, they couldn't get to the quarterback though. 
you know, they ranked last in sacks, uh, 16.4 blitz rate, uh, second lowest in the league, uh, surrendered 28 touchdowns through the air, which makes me kind of wonder why they finished as high as they did. They also allowed a league worst completion percentage of 69.4. But I mean, some some key additions that I feel like are notable. Hassan Reddick, uh, 23 and a half sacks the last two years, but he has not been utilized properly uh, throughout these first couple weeks. Three of their five draft picks are on defense. They trade for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. They signed Kazir White at linebacker, who led the Chargers in tackles last year. You had TJ Edwards at, at Mike, who had a pretty good game against Minnesota. I think at 80 overall grade, they draft Nicobe Dean. You re-sign Derek Barnett, but he gets injured. You drafted Jordan Davis, who's looked pretty good. Fletcher Cox comes back despite the trade rumors. Uh, Brandon Graham coming back for injury. And Josh Sweat, seven and a half sacks last year. Uh, looked good to start off the season. Uh, their secondary, uh, obviously you got big play Slay at corner. We had Jeff Okuda uh, last week. We get Darius Slay this week. Um, you know, three interceptions last year, nine passes defended, 12 interceptions total for the secondary. Uh Honestly, man, I, I know it's, this does sound like a Philly slurp fest, but I mean, just a great exhibition for Darius Slay against Justin Jefferson. He became the only player with five plus passes defended and two interceptions in a game the last three seasons on Monday Night Football. 90.2 PFF grade. I mean, this guy absolutely shut down Justin Jefferson, uh, who only had three catches for 55 yards. Uh, you got Avante Maddox. You got James Bradbury, which I thought was a pretty good signing. I'm not gonna lie to you though, Deuce. This team's trash at safety, and I think that's something the commanders need to exploit early and take advantage of them over the top. Um, in your opinion, if Carson and them want to continue this just air onslaught that they've done so far this season, what are some things in this Philadelphia defense that you would hone in on and just absolutely attack? Because I feel like there are a couple areas where Scott Turner can really just exploit it. Yeah, like I don't want to take anything from Darius Slate, but Kirk Cousins played a terrible game. Right? Oh, three interceptions. The, the, wow. The, 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 the ball placements was just terrible. Um, the He had a couple interceptions in the end zone or one interception and one almost interception. The ball placement was terrible. The, it's supposed to go to the back corner, and Jefferson had the back corner, right? So at least two of those in the end zone, if they would have went to the, to, to the back corner, it, it would have been touchdown. The ball placement from Kirk, Kirk Cousins was, was terrible. And I, I only kind of hone in on that. Because we saw that a lot last year with Terry about ball yeah. placement, right? And making it seem like people was really shutting him down because of the ball placement is so bad. And they was also kind of getting pressure on Kirk too, you know, a few pressures, few hurries. But I think even with Fletcher Cox, which I think is a $12 million role model, right? That That's what they paying him to be. I don't think he's the Fletcher Cox of old. I think yeah, this he, isn't a 2017 I, I mean, Eagles deal. No, 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 no. I think they 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 are trying to wean in the Davis. They just don't think that Davis is a is, is a three-down lineman right now. They're they trying to minimize his snaps, you know, the last. But I, I think we can run on these guys. I think you can, you can run on them. And if you can establish a running game, you're going to frustrate. Now, mind you, all this conversation we're having about this Eagles game is all about Wentz, right? It's all about Wentz because if you can stop punching them in their mouth early, their, their frustration because they can't get at Wentz, they can't – he's being successful. If Wentz is able to be successful against them in the first quarter, it's going to get ugly because they're going to get so frustrated. The Eagles fans there are going to get frustrated, right? So – Everything that we're talking about is Eagles, but I do think that um, Terry is getting a lot of disrespect. Has uh, been starting to get a lot, a, 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 a lot of disrespect. I think he fares well against Philly. Of course, Darius Slade, when he's checking, they had stats that he few targets, only like fifty yards or whatever the case may be. But he's always 
dominated the Eagles. I think this is the this is gonna be the 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 Stefan Diggs type Terry. Don't y'all must have forgot I was him. Yeah, I have this young yeah. line here, but y'all forgot that I am him. So hopefully he can have that type of game against Darius Slate for him to be back in that conversation to get these guys off his back. But I think we can attack the middle of the field. Um, um, I, I, I like Samuels against any one of their. I like Samuels against any one of their. The the, the Rod Gardner Johnson. Uh, I forgot the the um, the cornerback. I, I like Samuels against any any one of those guys, and I like Dotson. I'm I'm, I'm not afraid of Bradbury um, um, at, at all. But yeah, if we can attack if like we don't know what Cole is like, right? We don't know what Cole Turner is yet, but we know what Logan is. And Logan hasn't even been 100%, and he's looking fairly good. He's looking like the same Logan before the first injury, right? So we can get Logan going down the middle of the field, and Carson can get the ball down. Um, I think we can have some some success. But, again, it's all about Wentz. And Wentz, too. Like, Wentz, he come out slow, it might start getting in his head. You know what I mean? So a lot of this is, is like, the, the first quarter is going to be electric either way. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I like how much you're predicating this on Wentz, because in my opinion, if he comes out and has the, the stat line that he had against the Lions and this defense even plays halfway decent, the commanders can win this game. And, mm -hmm. you know, I like I said, I don't mean to put Philadelphia on such a pedestal, but I mean, you, you come out of that primetime matchup against primetime Kirk Cousins, which was important to note. <laughs> and, you know, there's going to be a lot of hype. I mean, they, they won 24 oh, seven. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's to be expected. They, they put up 486 yards. And Jalen showcased some parts of his game that, you know, obviously mm -hmm. he'd been lacking at up to this point. We talked mm -hmm. about how bad they were as a passing offense last year. But in terms of keys to victory, before we go, uh, close out with our score predictions and stuff, I think gap discipline is extremely important. You can't do what the Lions did. You got to treat this guy as a runner. Uh, Miles Sanders, you can't let him get going early. I mean, he got a couple huge chunk yard runs, and it's like he never really broke out of rhythm. You got to watch out for Kenneth Gainwell in the open field. That's a guy they could easily predicate a game plan around. You gotta exploit this Philly offensive line, which they are good statistically, but they are extremely young. I mean, you had uh, Isaac, uh, Isaac Similo uh, got, got a bunch of uh, legal man downfield. Jordan Malaya got some holding calls. Lane Dickerson got some calls against him. So some sloppy offensive line play, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that this is such an RPO heavy offense. Um, you know, I know you talked about the Terry, uh, the Darius Slay and Terry McLaurin matchup. Um, I don't mean to disrespect Darius Slay either, but I mean, all he's really known for is his elite speed at the end of the day. And, you know, I feel like Terry uh, pretty much owns him, at least for most matchups I've watched. I, I, I was impressed with what Okuda did on Sunday, but I don't think Darius Slay is going to do the same thing. I think Darius Slay doesn't really have great hands either. He dropped a lot of interceptions in this game. We said Kirk had three. It should have been more than that, to be 100% honest yeah, with you. He should have had four by himself. Yeah, by himself. So, I mean, yeah. Darius Slay doesn't exactly maximize a lot of the opportunities that he's being given either. And Terry is a wide receiver that is very refined, doesn't rely so much on athletic ability. Is honestly, mm -hmm. it's just refinement of his routes and just kind of beating you in the smart way. And if Wentz it, it keep, keeps his offense going the way it has the first couple of weeks, I mean, it's really just a matter of who they want the ball to go to. It doesn't have to be Terry. It can be Jahan. It can be Curtis. It, it can be any of these guys at the end of the day. You got to watch out for Devontae Smith, uh, another guy who once he was hitting those big chunk plays, it's kind of just like he was doing it the whole game. His first two catches, 19 yards, 16 yards. I mean, this is a Heisman winner we're talking about early here. And you talk about the first quarter. You can't get down early. That That is a big, big part of this game. Um, and obviously, you know, don't let this defensive line get too much disruption. I get it. You're down bad on the offensive line. But at the end of the day, this is a very old 
honestly kind of washed defensive line yeah. in general who's yeah. got a couple of really good young guys but they are just that young guys so mm-hmm. i feel like you can exploit that as well so obviously it's that time of the show where we predict what is going to happen this weekend and this is obviously brought to you by our sponsor prize picks make sure you guys use promo code SSN WFT for a $100 instant deposit bonus match. Download the free prize pick app today and get started. The NFL season is kicking off. Make sure you kick it off the right way and download prize picks and start playing today. Like I said, promo code SSN WFT for a $100 instant deposit bonus match. But like I said, 1 p.m. FedEx Field, Eagles Commanders, who you got, Deuce, as we close out the show and what are your bold predictions? Go. Uh, 2420 Commanders, you not catch me on no show, no spaces, nowhere, ever going against that. I'm all, I don't care what it is. That's just me. That's my one rule of of of, of being a content creator and trying to be even. That I'm always going to pick my boys. But yeah, but but honestly, I got it. Um, 2420, and my bold prediction is JD McKissick has two touchdowns. I think he's going to. Ooh, have a big I like game. that. I think he's going to have a big game because people is kind of forgetting about uh, forgetting about him. If you look at where he is, he's kind of like fifth as far as weapons. If you know the the way you kind of look at it, um, you know he's like fifth. So I think um, I, I think he's going to have a big game. You know, I feel like there's a very big difference between what should happen and what is going to happen. And from everything that I've said, I think it's important to note how like nationally recognized this Eagles offense is. Obviously, coming out of a playoff season, it, you can easily see why they are favorites. And after everything that I've said, you would think that I would pick the Philadelphia Eagles, but I'm not. <laughs> I got the Commanders winning 31 to 28. I see Jalen Hurts getting smacked around a lot, and it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't even finish the game. I think they're going to get in his face yeah. that much. Yeah, I got Carson yeah. Wentz going for four touchdowns and 400 yards. He's 1-0 in revenge games this year. I think this Eagles secondary is very suspect, and they are one of the main units that really capitalizes off of early season hype. Sure, Darius Slay had a really good matchup against Justin Jefferson, but Justin Jefferson has Kirk Cousins as quarterback. You play Kirk Cousins, you play Jared Goff, you got you got a Carson Wentz-led offense right now that is operating at a prolific level through the air, and that's something that Philadelphia has not played against yet. And I feel like the running game is just going to be just enough. I think the home fans are going to get this place rocking. I mean, obviously, the Eagles do a great job of taking over FedEx Field every time they come here, but I really do feel like we're turning a new leaf. I feel like everybody's going to rally behind Carson. I feel like this, as much as we talked about this being a big game for Philadelphia because of, oh, Carson Wentz did us wrong, it's just as much the same and even killing the other side of it for us wanting to back up our guy who has come in and given us the best quarterback play in two games that we've had in the last five years. So I think Carson Wentz successfully shuts the Eagles up, and I think this is a nail-biter, but the commanders edge it out by three points. That is our bold predictions brought to you by Prize Pictures promo code SSNWFT for $100 instant deposit bonus match. But – Unfortunately, that is all the time we have today here on the Silence Washington podcast for our preview edition for week three. Deuce, as always, man, or for the first time, actually, thank you for joining the show. Yeah, uh, pleasure, tell man. the Silence Washington listeners where they can find you, man. Red Zone in the lab, Twitter. You're, you're in the spaces, man. You're active. I love the energy you bring to everything, man. I was really glad we could do this, but tell them where they can follow you if they aren't already. Yeah, man, I I, I really appreciate you having me on. It was an honor. I had a ball. I had a fun. But um, whatever. At Red Zone in the Lab, Red Zone in the Lab podcast, um, all social platforms, wherever you get your podcast, YouTube, uh, trying to do this little TikTok w- w- with my daughter. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, when we're going to try to uh, reenact plays, we just man her some little quick things, but we're, we're trying to work on that. But but yeah, wherever it's just you know, raise on the lab, raise on the lab podcast on all social media outlets. 
you heard the man red zone in the lab check him out one of the best up and coming uh commander's pods in my opinion love the energy obviously you guys can find us on all social media uh clicking the link tree in the description silence underscore wfp on twitter let's get to 3k guys facebook we're 40 away from 1k instagram let's bump those numbers up as well and like he said he's on tiktok we're on tiktok too if you guys are interested in joining the sideline sports family we're at 125k on twitter silence wft at gmail.com to email me about possibly becoming a contributor we're always looking for new and very diehard fans to join the family. But we will be back after the week three matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles, the opening NFC East clash. Let's get it. Let's get this win. It is very much needed. But until then, this is the SSN signing off. Peace. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.